Yeah! It's your favorite straw hat, Nico. Episode 3 is finally here. Sorry for delay. Got sidetracked watching anime on Netflix. I always knew Netflix had anime, but I stayed away from it all for one reason. When Violet Evergarden first dropped, it was everywhere on Netflix but America. And I was like, why do they do that? What was the actual point? Right now I'm watching Dorara, and I love it, bro. It's truly sensational. Amazing storytelling. I love the opening and how they can show you one scene and then later gave you the full context to how it all started. And the way the characters narrate stuff, I'm just like, whew, this is truly a treat. Because I'm a sucker for good storytelling. And this show, oh, it does good storytelling and action and comedy and knows how to balance the act. I'm impressed. I really am. Can't wait to finish it in a season two. So I'm almost caught up on my anime on Crunchyroll. And here's a funny thing. Next season will be actually crazy because a lot of manga I read are becoming anime. Kumetsu no Yaba, The Promised Neverland. We never learn. It's crazy out here, bro. And I feel like eventually Dr. Stone will get one. Maybe announcement next year or two years from now. We gonna see. I love seeing my favorite series become anime. It's truly wonderful. Now, I don't know if I want to make a video on Dorara, but the best way to describe it, it's solid for me. It's like one of those shows that it's always and feel old. I feel like I could watch it any day, and I don't feel like, oh, this is kind of boring. I never feel that way when I'm watching it. And it got me from episode one. And I love how it handles situations. I like how we can just see things from one character's perspective and then can switch to another character's perspective. And you're like, oh, so that's how they see the world. This is what they do in this city. And it's really interesting. And now I understand where that gift came from where this bartender punches someone and his whole clothes fall off and the guy just got sent flying. I was like, okay, what show is that? And now I know. Sensational. I love Netflix. I love its algorithm. Because one time in class we were talking about it and the teacher was saying it knows how to recommend stuff to you. And it's getting to the point the algorithm works by itself and it's self-learning. So if you watch a lot of certain things, it gives you more of a certain thing. And it got me thinking, if YouTube did something like this, would it be better or worse? My answer right now, it could be better because as things currently stand, YouTube every once in a while recommends me gold. But for the most part, I'm seeing stuff that I don't really care about, I'm not gonna watch. And I'm just like, YouTube, why do you give me stuff I'm not gonna watch? Yes, I do like anime, but I'm not gonna watch every anime channel who reviews certain things. But on accident, I did find a pretty cool anime channel. He had Nico from Love Live as his picture. And he made a video about Idolmaster, show I'm currently watching. And I love the way he talked about it. It didn't spoil. All he said was, okay, the Idolmaster is amazing because it's good storytelling and it knows how tell episodic stories so yes the focus is three girls but the other girls you see them and see how their life plays out and by the time you finish it you'll be like wow amazing it picks up really at the halfway point but it's still worth watching great video solid editing i understand it because he may be a love life fan but i really like that video it was sensational and i was sitting here like it's kind of funny i can find interesting youtube videos any day of the week but most of the time, it's about luck. I'll find like really good channels. And I like how now on YouTube, it feels like maybe the key is just building your community, being consistent, and sticking to your actual strengths. 
and my strength is ideas. And for me, a solid anime knows how to go about what it wants to accomplish. So the show is all about being action-packed and telling good slice of life stuff. Do that. Why do I like Soccer's Quest so much? Soccer's Quest is all about an actual quest to discover what do you want to do with your life. That's a question a lot of people in college like me have to think about. And yes, you have friends where they may know the answer, but they're not sure. Or some people, they were sure at one point, but then something in their life made them change their mind. Or maybe a parent didn't agree with their game plan, had to find a way to make a compromise. That's why I like Vault, some good anime. Any anime you're relatable to anybody just comes down to how it tells a story, why you should care about it. That's what I care about when I watch a lot of YouTube videos as well. The why factor. Why make this video? Why does it matter? I know it's with a lot of channels when I watch their videos, I get why people like them, but not for me. Because I like to see a video where it's like a conversation with the creator. You understand how their head works, what they care about, their values. So when said and done, you can tell every video the purpose behind it, even if they don't say it directly. And by the time you're done with the video, you're sitting here like, you can't wait for the next one. That's how it's supposed to be. Obviously, we don't know everything about every creator, duh. But it's nice to be able to walk down the street and say, okay, at this time, the video drops, it's gonna be their best one. Or it'll be something fun. You don't have some expectation of what they will and will not do. And that's the creator I strive to be like. One where you guys know how I think, how I value stuff. So when a video drops, you're not afraid to give it a chance. I know some people, they stick to only their bread and butter. But for me, you know, since my bread and butter, I'm gonna give y'all everything I think is interesting as well. Now back to Netflix. A show I really like on Netflix is Black Mirror. I think it's an interesting thing because in a way technology does rule a lot of people's lives, but at the same time, it doesn't have to be a weapon or a tool. It can just be a thing we use to connect. Because the one episode I watched, it's like basically you have points. The more points you have, the more stuff you do. But all you do is ride bikes all day, every day, and you're trying to get as many points as possible so you can have food, skip ads, and stuff like that. And the main dude there didn't care about it, and towards the end, he became the very thing he didn't like. He was trying to be real, but then he became entertainment because they said they'll make him a deal. If you keep doing the stuff you do, we'll give you a whole podcast. And he gets this nice life where his bed, where it's nice and big, a cool room. People will love what he does. But the thing is, it's once again a giant screen in front of him trying to be like a garden or outdoors. I'm sitting here like, wow. So in a way, you did beat the system by joining the system. Is that truly a W? Something about Black Mirror episodes. It's like saying, okay, even in these amazing futuristic settings, how do you actually win? Do you win by beating the system or just adapting? It was amazing, to say the very least. Like that episode, had great actors, and every episode is a diamond in the rock. It's always something interesting. But the way it ends sometimes, I'm sitting here like, what was the actual point you were trying to say with it? But overall, it's still really good entertainment. One episode I really like was one where this girl was trying to become super popular because in that world, everyone had a rating system, kind of like Yelp or any review website you've been on. And the higher your rating, the more stuff you could do. It's basically like your credit score. So. 
You can post whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. If people like you, they give you a good rating. If you get a lot of bad ratings, it can ruin your opportunities in life. So, for example, if you only have two stars, you can only go to two-star places. You can't go to three-star places. You can't get certain jobs. You can't make certain friends because you'll ruin their reputation. And it got me thinking, maybe the episode was making fun of how clout works. So, for example, if your friends have million subs on YouTube and you only have 500, wouldn't that make you feel like you have to act a certain way so you can gain some of their subs, be on their podcast, be on their live stream to do whatever it takes to make sure you get to their position or better? Maybe that's what trying to make fun of or how some people befriend people, not because of their personality, just because of who they know and where they want to be. And I was sitting here like, yeah, I get it now. People do stuff like this. But if we had like a whole rating system that determines everything like a credit score and how we're seen i wouldn't want it it sounds super bad so that means if you bump somebody and they don't like you they can make your rating really low and ruin your whole life or let's say your best friend gets your dream girl if he puts in a good word and you get her best friend at least but if he decides to give you a bad rating because of an argument you can't get anything anymore it's scary but interesting all at the same time and that's what black mirror is all about making us think about these crazy scenarios that are based on real things there was one episode where a guy lost his girl but he could implant her consciousness in himself it worked at first so that way he could still raise their child but the problem was because wife was always in his head whatever he experienced whatever he saw whatever he heard she also saw it all so the problem was it got really annoying because he wanted a new girl but then his old girl, she's still bugging him about stuff. And the reason why I did this whole surgery, the doctor was saying, yeah, she's not going to make it, but you can at least implant her into your head so she's always there. And it started off a good idea, but then as the episode progresses, it gets worse and worse and worse. So what the guy decides to do, he moves his wife's consciousness to one of those talking toys that can only say yes or no, you know, like one or two lines. And the kid didn't notice that was his mother, it was kind of sad, but the mom loved it at first. Kind of means she could always be with her kid. But the problem is, once again, if she's only trapped in a monkey, like toy monkey's body, what can she do to talk to her child and convey her thoughts? She can't do much. And I start to understand why I made the episode. Maybe the episode was making fun of how people say they really want to understand somebody, but in real life, they can't handle 100% being around somebody all the time or understanding exactly their inner thoughts. So for example, if we had that real technology, can you imagine how life would go down? So let's say you want to understand a girl and she's like getting really sick. So you implant her whole consciousness in your head. You'll always hear her voice. Whatever you go through, she's going to feel it too. So let's say you got the runs. She has experienced that too through your eyes and sit there like she's like in the window seat or something. And she could see it all, she could talk to you, but she can't do a single thing. So it's like, imagine having the best seat in the house, but also the worst seat in the house. It would get me scared about that. It could help if you have like sickly family members or sickly friends, and you can just, you know, give them a way to extend their lifespan in a way, but would it make you lose your sanity? Because let's be real, do you honestly want someone in your head besides you? Sounds scary to me, but like how the episode showed us how that would play out, what would be the benefits and the drawbacks and how it would affect everyone involved. Because obviously a mother wants to be in her child's life. 
But if you're dead and your man moves on, whose fault is it really? Another episode of Black Mirror I really liked had to be the one where everyone had the ability to remember anything they experience, whether they hear it, whether they see it. So it made arguments easier because all you have to do is play back the memory. And you can edit out certain parts if you want to to focus on that part of your argument and stuff like that. So it starts off with a guy at his job. And I'm like, okay, you want to present today or tomorrow? They convince him to present next couple of days. He goes home and he notices his wife acting different around one of her friends. And at first he was like, oh, it's probably nothing. But his hunches were right because with every little instance of this guy who has to be his wife's friend, he noticed something. Whatever joke he was telling, she laughed at it like it was the funniest thing ever. But no one else was really laughing at his jokes. And he said a lot of weird things that kind of gave off the idea where he just does whatever he wants, doesn't care about who he hurts. Because he was saying, what well, does he makes a replay of all his relationships and all his flings? Sometimes he's bored, he has material. And I was like, that's kind of gross. Why are you sharing that? And then one girl at the table was saying she got rid of the little implant they had to allow them to replay any memory they have because she was saying it's better not to remember certain things which i agree with to a degree but the problem is if you can't remember anything then what's the point you wouldn't learn from mistakes because you don't know where you went wrong but hey it was her choice so as the episode goes on the husband is mad at his wife because he's sitting here like y'all just don't seem like friends what happened and you didn't mention one time you had a fling with some guy and I wonder, who could it be? And he connected the dots. And he realized that guy at the dinner table he didn't like, he was his wife's fling. And he was super mad at the whole episode. And he went as far as going to that guy's house and saying, hey, delete the replays you have with my wife. I don't like that. I don't tolerate that. Delete it all. All of it. Let me see it, though, because what you can do, display your replays on the TV. And the same girl who doesn't remember what she does, she was at his house, obviously had that little fling. And I was sitting here like, wow, I get why he's doing all this, but why is he doing all this? Because yes, I do understand he loves his wife and she probably did some things that she shouldn't have done. But it was in the past. But I think what the episode was trying to focus on was the idea, memories are important and you're supposed to learn from your past. So if someone cheats on you on the past, you can't just act like it didn't happen. And it could probably destroy you as a person. So when you have abilities to replay any moment in your life, why would you not take advantage of it? That's why the husband went so far. He wanted actual proof that the cheating did not take place. And it happened a long time ago, but his wife was actually hiding the truth. It happened last week because he noticed what she said versus what actually happened wasn't lining up. She said whatever happened to Fling happened months ago. But he knows we go on her replays. He saw her furniture from a week ago when he bought her a painting in said replay. And he's like, oh, no, nah, something is wrong. The wife was trying to hide these memories, saying he just lost it. And she was so embarrassed. She was so ashamed. And she was just crying. The episode kind of ended with him removing this little organ they have that allows them to replay these memories. I guess I know why they ended like that and made it a husband and wife. Maybe trying to show you how powerful memories are. Being able to remember something is super important. And if it was that ability, can you imagine how life would be? You can't remember what you did, what you didn't do. So let's say you have like a rocky relationship. You wouldn't know that because every time something gives you a hint, 
you can't pick up on the hint because you can't remember the previous day, the last couple of hours. That's why I understand they made it husband wife to just show off everything. And I was now seeing why at certain moments towards the end he was playing his memories of him and his wife with a child. And that's why when he saw certain moments from his wife in the replays, he was like, damn, bro, why does that happen to me? It's not fair. And at first I was thinking he was going too far, but I think about it. And it would be that upset because in that society, you can easily remember whatever happens to you. So it's like, because you can easily access these memories, replay them anytime you want. That was part of the problem. It's because you can remember and see these moments. That's what bothered him so much. And that's why at the end, it seemed like the wife left or the divorce can't really tell because the episode ended. But I see why, even though he wanted to remember, he didn't want to remember these terrible memories. And that's why he took out that implant. And I was sitting here like, I would love to have that ability, but it sounds kind of scary. And in a way, screenshots are kind of like that. But the thing is, screenshots are limited text. And we have stuff like video. But if we had stuff we could remember, arguments from last week, two months ago, two years ago, boy, can you imagine relationships then? If you want to learn about someone, just go find their replay and you'll learn everything about them through the replays. But obviously, that's just one person's memory. And that's going to show you only one side. I think one quote that's said in the show is actually pretty interesting. Memories are important, but yeah, keep in mind, they aren't everything because, remember, people remember things the way they want to remember things. So memory is useful, but you can't rely on 100% to learn about a person to be around a person. And when that lady said that quote, I was like, that makes a lot of sense because a lot of things are remember, remember it the way we want to. So let's say, for example, you have a beef with somebody. Maybe you only remember the beef. You won't remember what led up to the beef. And other person can remember how everything led up to that point, that conflict. Interesting stuff, right? This is why I like Black Mirror so much. It takes on these crazy ideas and show us how they are based on reality, but also reminds me when people say they want future technology, what that could actually entail, because all that stuff can be future technology, but just don't have it yet. And if we did, that'd be a big yikes, if you ask me. Oh, one more episode I wanted to really talk about. It was one where essentially a couple kept dating because in this society they had, you had the ability where every relationship had an expiration date. Once the expiration date hits, boom, it's over. So let's say you match up with somebody for a night and you didn't like them. It was only for a night. You never see them again. Nothing else has to progress. But if you actually liked them and the chemistry was strong, it could probably last a lifetime. But the way the episode started off, they kept going on these odd dates and they had one good date. But then for the girl's side, she kept hooking up with guys where yes, the intimate moments were the highlights, but afterwards, she didn't feel anything towards those guys. But in the beginning, the first guy was super awkward, nothing really sparked off. And what he experienced was, yeah, he was hanging out with girls, enjoying their company, but it didn't feel like anything. It felt like something you just kind of had to do, a chore. He wanted the girl he wanted in the beginning. So they eventually get together, but what they wanted to do is not look at expiration date because they didn't want to focus on how much time was left. They just want to enjoy the now, the present. And it was going well for a long time. They were dating and like they show you all these time lapses, but not actually telling you how much time has passed. And then one day, 
the guy got really curious how much time is left because he really likes this girl and everything is going perfectly. But the way I set up the expiration date, you have to both look at it or else it won't show. So I'm going to her back, use her device, and he found how much time they had left. And it was going to last a long time. But because he looked, for some reason, it started going down. And he was sitting here like this never happened before. And because of that, she got really upset when she found out that he knows how much time was supposed to be left in the relationship. And she stormed off. And he was super sad and depressed. And then by the hand of fate, they came back together in the same bar setting where it seems like all the speed dates happen. They meet each other one more time and they kind of realize that something's weird going on. That's like essentially the way the speed dating was working. They was always near each other, but didn't really realize till just now. So they finally get back together and something magic kind of happens where it's like they wake up in a different reality at a party or something like that and I was sitting here like whoa and it seemed like it was doing a simulation to see how many people could find their perfect match with these weird situations where it's like you're speed dating with expiration dates so I guess the whole episode was trying to show us speed dating is amazing but when you find an actual connection cherish it because you never know how long it will go how short it will be and maybe the relationships are because we don't know the expiration date we can always enjoy them for what they are and improve them at our own at our own leisure so just by watching black mirror i understand our world a little bit better we do have situations but they're kind of exaggerated so i think the whole point of black mirror is to say we need to appreciate what we have because we never know when it's all going to be said and done and maybe the afterlife is like the way the episode ended where it's like a simulation and then stuff happens afterwards wake up a different reality different setting where the same people but just different bodies but hey they've been going crazy now i want to talk about we happy few because it ties into the episode i mentioned of black mirror we have a few it's an interesting game i'm replaying it and i'm liking the side quests they're amazing i love the storytelling the combat on the hand it's not really the best thing ever but when you have certain characters like Sal and you have chemicals, it's amazing because Sally can make some crazy chemicals. She has one chemical that makes people talk about dogs like crazy, kind of like feel confused. There's another one, it puts them to sleep with one spritz. So it's like about playing Sally so much. Or just playing the main story, I just went through the main story. But now I'm going back, I'm doing the main story with the side quest. But focus on the side quest and they're really interesting because Arthur and Sally have similar quests, but they play from different perspectives. So when you play Arthur's quest, you play a certain way. Because Arthur, he's supposed to be like the ace of all trades. He can craft stuff. He can also make weapons. And he can make suits. Sally isn't good at making weapons. Unless they're chemical related. And she's supposed to be all about stealth. And everyone knows Sally because she's a celebrity. And Sally's little thing is she has a baby. She's a single mother. Joy's supposed to be contraceptive. But the problem was, she was experimental Joy, so she ended up with a baby with the guy who made Joy in the first place, but things kind of went rocky. He doesn't know the kid exists, but Sally wants to escape so her child can have a wonderful life and not go through the hell of a life and child she had to go through. Because even though Sally's famous now, problem was, her mother did not follow the rules, decided to kill her whole family so they had no grief, and Sally didn't get killed because she wasn't home that day when everyone got poisoned but she had come home to that crime scene it was brazy b and arthur and sally have a thing but the problem is arthur doesn't think sally 
is good enough for him. If it does work, she'll just escape somehow and go on some crazy adventure. Which isn't wrong, but Sally really likes Arthur. She really likes to be around him, but Arthur's wanting to escape the city. And I understand how I made it that way. If Arthur went with Sally, that would kind of make them not want to escape because we're supposed to say, A, Arthur got a baby, haha, so let's go together, B, my husband. No, I can't see that. And when you saw Arthur's story and Sally's story, when you played as them, you saw different sides. So in Sally's version, the way she remembered things, she told Arthur about the baby and she did what she had to do to survive and met in the garden district. But on Arthur's story, he met in Sally's house and she kissed him and he thought he apologized, but he was also confused about Sally and what she really wants to do. And she never mentioned about the baby. She just said, give me till dawn to escape. Bart didn't want to wait and he just ran away in both endings. It's crazy stuff. I like how in Sally's version, it's like she pulled up on Arthur and she was, you know, spitting game real quick for Arthur and realized what was happening at the time. But in Arthur's version, it's like he made a bad impression on Sally. He's still mad about the past and she just stormed off. It was crazy to say the very least. And Ollie, I liked his combat, but I didn't like playing as him because he sticks out like a sore thumb. And his ending was great. I loved it a lot. But just getting there was tedious because... When I was Sally and Ollie, I found less healing bomb. On second playthrough, I'm finding a lot of healing bomb for Sally. While I was playing as Ollie, because he sticks out his sword thumb, people attack you on sight. And if you have abilities to blend in, you don't blend in the same way because if certain characters see Ollie, they just want to fight him on sight because he does not fit in with them and they don't like him because he's kind of a jerk. And I get it. That's how they feel about him. Because the thing about Ollie, if he has low blood sugar, because he's diabetic, he'll start yelling at people in the streets and having problems with people, start beef. But he doesn't take Joy because Joy actually makes him like get food poisoning, the same effect for him. So it's interesting, but it's like, ah, so it's playing as him. He's super slow but powerful, but the problem is to do his quest, you have to go into the village where the wellies are, but hide it to the wellies if every time you interact with them, they're trying to fight and kill you. Made it hard. And the game crashed me a couple of times while doing that. And like I said, the fights, as Ollie, they're more interesting because I can easily like one-shot certain people. I can hit harder. But it was annoying because if you messed up or mistimed something because you got shoved, you might just die and you don't have any healing bombs. So you have to basically kill them before they kill you. That was how the gameplay played out. But overall, I put like 40 plus hours into the game and it was a lot of fun. And keep in mind, I did some quests over. And the side quests to me were just good main quests. Gave me a better idea of how the world worked. But after beating the game, there's still a lot of questions I don't have the answers to. Like, okay, why did they make the choices they did? Because why are you not given an option to say, Sally, I want to go with you. You're my baby. Love you, girl. You didn't have a choice in it. It was just like Arthur storms off either way. Or Sally... In her version, yes, it may seem like she did tell the truth, but there's no way of knowing whose version of the story as Sally Arthur was correct and who told who what. It's kind of open-minded to like who was right, who was wrong. And I liked about the way the game ended, you had two endings. One ending, you pretty much decided, okay, Arthur knows the truth. The town literally has no food, no water left. It's really going through starvation. So you can basically go back you know, be on your joy, 
and play on a little toy car, having fun knowing how cool reality is, and just live in blissful ignorance till you die. Or you can escape, and then you can be a child, and the child's like, why are you saying lovely day for? It's not a lovely day, it's been raining all day, it's a trash day. And he's like, yeah, what a trash day. And Arthur realizes that, yeah, he got what he finally wanted. Someone being themselves, embracing their emotions. So the whole point of the game is to say, you can't rely on drugs or anything else to make you happy. You have to be your own source of happiness. And sometimes the cool reality is better than the beautiful life. Because if you have antidepressants, which joy basically is, it doesn't make your depression go away. It just tucks it under a rug for a little bit till they wear off. Maybe over time you need a stronger dosage or you have tolerance to it. Because just like in the game, People have different reactions. Coconut Joy does not work. It basically makes you see the wellies with red eyes. And it messes you up dramatically. Vanilla Joy, people have bad reactions with it. I think the same thing with chocolate. So everyone takes Strawberry Joy. It's crazy. And the thing people were saying was the Bad Batch Joy, when they take it, it makes them remember instead of forget. It makes them feel super violent. Or it kills some people in some cases, eventually. It's wild to say the very least. Everybody in the town doesn't want to be sad and depressed, but reality is really sad, and they got chased out their own homes to live in this terrible place called Garden District where there's literally no food there but berries and leftovers. But even then, it's still a struggle. And people are starving to death. Yes, the wellies, when Don and Joy don't need a lot of food, but at the same time, they still going through it. So both sides have stuff to lose, stuff to gain. And I like how when I finished the game, I kind of see it as, yeah, Arthur, Sally, Ollie, they're terrible people, especially Arthur. He's really a jerk. But in Arthur's defense, he does what a lot of people do. He tells himself he's the hero of the story. He's not a bad person, but he's a bad person. He makes bad choices. He's not really confident in himself because if you fight someone as Arthur and you kill them, he's like, oh, man, I killed them. But hey, you owe me a bit of money or hey, you beat me up in kindergarten like what that was kindergarten bro and with sally she has like this weird thing with men she goes for older men and it's like she was in these awkward situations where the men that likes her can't help her the way she wants to receive help and they only see her as like a prize not really a person our situation was he was crazy and no one wanted to accept the truth but him but even himself didn't want to accept the obvious truth that was right in his face the entire time. But when it hit him, it hit him hard. That's how I feel about We Happy Few. So if I give it a score, it's a B plus or C minus. B plus if you're all about narrative and learning about lore. But a C plus if you're just talking about gameplay. Because like I said, I crashed on a couple of times. Sometimes as I'm playing the game, it just randomly opens up the menu. Like, you know, in-game menu to pause. And I'm like, why is it doing this? This makes absolutely no sense. Or sometimes quests are bugged out, so I can't complete them. Like, for Arthur, there's one quest to actually get, like, honey from bees. I had a padded suit, but I couldn't grab the actual honey. And the bees kept attacking me. And I was just like, wow, this is annoying, so I didn't help complete the game. And sometimes I'd be, like, in a bush hiding, right? And then they'll just see me. Or other times, right? I was knock somebody up, look at the person, and they look in a one direction for a long time, adding some clips on my Twitch of some stuff, of some stuff that made me say, why is this in the game? It's like, sometimes NPCs don't know how to act. Like, one guy was basically doing a sidestep, and I'm like, 
that's supposed to happen. Or sometimes it's like you'll walk past them and they want to fight you all because you did one thing accidentally. And it's like, it's kind of funny game about conformity. You just have to sometimes deal with stupid stuff. Or sometimes you wonder how did the NPCs react this way when they're not supposed to. Like, let's say you stealth kill somebody. Sometimes it's like one person comes out of nowhere, attacks you, and it's like, yo, where did they come from? Makes no sense. Or one person, you'll wait till they just disappear to who knows where. That's how I felt we happy for you. So I experience a love story, but until it's patched, I think you should hold off on buying it because I'm telling you. I understand they went through a lot to make the game. I had a lot of fun with it. But you ever realize that sometimes fair parts of the game don't really hit? I love combat games, but when we happy for you, every time combat happens, I'm just like, ah, combat, we have to do this again. I don't feel like we're like, here we go. Let me hide if I can. Do I have to absolutely fight them? Because the shoving thing, that's what got me triggered. Because if you got shoved, it could stun you or make you fall to the ground. And enemies can block now, so it's like, if you block, they're not taking actual damage. And if you find someone like Sally, you can't damage people with weapons easily as we have chemicals. So, that's that. Now to wrap things up. I came back to YouTube recently because I found out why I love making videos so much. It's a way to put my ideas into actions. And I feel like if I get a job after college where they say, okay, come with an idea, execute. I'd be ready to do something like that. And I just love saying what's on my mind. At first, when I started making videos, I didn't like scripts. I could write them, but I could never just say them and feel like, okay, these are my words. Here's how I talk. This felt like something I did to do. But now, when it comes to making scripts, I write them the way I think, the way I talk. So it's more fun to do. Not really an annoying hassle like, damn, bro, I gotta say this. How long is it going to take? Because I do like editing, but I like shorter videos to edit. Longer videos get boring after a while, and they drain me out. Because I learned something. It's better to make short and sweet to the point content than just ramble for 20 minutes. We could just spend 10 minutes to get to your point. And I always see editing like poetry or storytelling. When you tell someone a story, get to the point as soon as you can. You can mention details that enhance the story, but you don't want to tell them every last detail, like what day it was, unless it's relevant to the story, what the weather was, how you felt that day. Just tell them stuff they need to know and keep it moving. That's what I'm trying to do with every video. Like, get to the point and tell you why I decided to make this video. I feel like with every video, can I actually show you this whole process? And I'm having more fun editing. I'm not like, oh, I'm in the studio. I just want to die. I ain't feeling that way anymore. I'm just like, oh, in the studio, doing my thing. It's going to be greatness. And making character spotlights, it's so much fun. I always want to do character spotlights, but the problem I was having before, like I said, I'd have the idea, but now I can easily do it using the advice I learned from my teacher in my sophomore year of college. He said everything's connected. You just got to see the dots and connect them yourself. If you approach life that way, things become better. Prepare, you'll be good to go. You can't always just do things last minute. And you do something, one was expected of you, and meets expectations or surpass it. That was the hardest class I had on my as a college and helped me understand what I have to do to make a good video. You gotta know what's your game plan. How do you do your progress? Do you have a script? 
you have an outline what works best for you and then keep going from there as we started doing making the best content I can and focus on what I'm good at I'm good at ideas so the plan is think of my idea make a script that fits the motive of that idea find video clips to match the idea and I go from there and put it all together so if you want to support your boy I have a YouTube it's Muyuara Nico so M-U-G-I W A R A then space N E apostrophe C O K E and you're good to go. Now the reason why I decided to make that my channel name, I love One Piece and I love what the straw hat symbolizes in One Piece. It's a treasure, and treasure is whatever you make of it. So the reason why I continue to do YouTube, it's my routine. Not doing it feels weird, but for the longest time. I was comparing myself to other channels, which is not the best thing to do. We all grow differently. We have all different audiences. And I think my audience is kind of people where it was like to chill, talk about stuff, and then, you know, go on with their days. I don't expect comments all the time. I don't expect anything. But all the support I get, I truly love it. The end goal for me is just to get to the point the Patreon's popping off. It's the same name as the YouTube name. And. I wake up and I see amazing comments like I've been seeing, but in abundance. And I know my community, we can do cool stuff like meetups. If I want to go to an event, y'all can help me any way possible. And we can keep talking about the stuff that interests us. That's what I want. And I'm going to do it my way, the entire way. So if you like what I do and want to support me, check out the Patreon. Share my YouTube, check out my Twitter, join my Discord, and you're good to go. All links my anchor page you're good to go but this this podcast on something like spotify you're be good as well because the plan is i'm trying to make sure everything spreads out nice and well and everyone knows your boy on some level so if you're listening to this podcast on something like spotify all you gotta do go on youtube go on twitter and type in who you are, Nico, and you're good to go. So that's been this podcast. The plan is to do it weekly or bi-weekly. So there's always new stuff, new ideas going around. If you want me to talk about a certain topic, or you just want my thoughts on something, you can submit your voicemails on Anchor itself, and I'll answer it ASAP Hold the Rocky. If you don't want to do that, just hit me up on Twitter and you're good to go. Thank you guys so much for listening. I could really say so much more, but my crew needs me.